Welcome to the Don Pravda and Erica Gray Show. The Twist. Welcome to The Twist News. I'm Erica Gray. And today I'm going to present to you a show that is so shocking on what was said at Emmanuel Macron's speech at The Hague that no other journalist has yet reported on. And I have one word for today's show. Yikes. Okay. Now I'm going to play what Macron had to say, and he speaks in GeoSpeak. So we are going to listen to Emmanuel Macron as he spoke at The Hague in the Netherlands in this particular clip. To have this, pro this protection mechanism to be activated. Protection mechanism to be activated. This is loaded. Sounds harmless, but it's not. And precisely to have this preventive side. This is the same on a lot of other issues from defense to technologies and so on. And I think it's very... And when he's talking about from defense and so on, he's talking about different policy areas. And before we go into his speech any further, I've talked about on this channel that we would be reporting on this new order that's emerging. And it's an order of empires. And you're going to see the strongest empire that will win eventually. Or you will see the empires that are the strongest that are the winners. And according to me, this is exactly how and why we have to follow up on, on the digital side regarding content, speaking about education and culture. We just, we were driven by free speech. I do defend and I do advocate this notion and I'm, I'm a big defender of this free speech approach. And, and he's talking about how he's a big defender of this free speech approach because the policy that's going to be enacted is not exactly that, but we'll let him continue. And, and, and freedom of content because it's part of the European model. But let's be clear, when you're open without any regulation to protect yourself in this content, you expose yourself to propaganda coming from outside. Okay, there we go. You expose yourself to propaganda. So he's talking about free speech, but it's not really free speech. It's free speech that Europe is going to decide constitutes free speech. Let's continue to again hear what Macron says. You expose yourself to algorithm decided elsewhere. And you put your children, your people, sometimes your democracy at risk because it can be manipulated by other interests and by people deciding for yourself. And this is why we have now a new continent on this protective side, which is how we want to protect the content. He's saying content. It's sounding like he's mispronouncing it, but he's saying content on this side, content in Europe. Of our social medias, our artificial intelligence, on all these innovations where, I mean, we are exposed to, and which can interfere in the education of our children or the functioning of our democracy. I like this. The functioning of his democracy. The European Union is totally undemocratic. 
It has a democratic deficit. There is too much power in the center, too much power in Brussels. Now they've been working on the democratic deficit for many years now, but they have not yet solved it. So I have an issue every single time somebody within the EU declares about how democratic they are when their institutional structure is totally non-democratic. Okay, we will continue. We have to be very smart, sophisticated, coordinated, and we need a common approach. We started to do so with the famous directive DSA. The DSA is the Digital Services Act. And basically with the Digital Services Act, they determined the rules for the internet that other nations, if they want to have internet beam within the EU, has to follow these rules. So where he's going with this is how the DSA set a precedent for other nations to have to follow EU law. That's what he's talking about here. Now, the EU didn't just do this with the DSA, but there's also other laws and initiatives that they've come out with that follow this sort of protocol, but it gets better. We started to regulate the content, but we will have to go further, we know that, just to protect our model and our European model, and not to be in the hands of non-European private interests or non-European government's interests. And I think this prevention pillar and this protection pillar is very important. It should be noted that the DSA really went at U.S. companies. The fourth pillar of um, our doctrine. Now, the next part is loaded. He's going to say one word, and this word is going to sound harmless, but it's not. Here goes. According to me, would be reciprocity. Whoa, yikes. That's the yikes. Reciprocity. That means that anybody doing business with the EU will have to have the same laws. But let him continue to talk about reciprocity. And it would constitute in the context of a more transactional and mutually beneficial approach, a very important circle of action of the EU. I know that the reciprocity dimension, which is certainly the most demanding at EU level, is sometimes difficult to admit. But I also observe that mindsets have gradually evolved in this area as well. I took um, almost 10 years for the, it took almost 10 years for the EU to adopt the international procurement instrument just to ensure reciprocity in public procurement. Why? Because the European approach is always a, a sort of complex intrication of, an, of addition of national interests. He just talked about how in public procurement, it took 10 years from the inception of a proposal for it to finally become EU law. Now, he's talking about public procurement, but now reciprocity is going to go even further. And I want to state in this broadcast that reciprocity is something that's been floated around for decades within the European Union. So this isn't something that just has been initiated in the last decade and it came via the procurement 
but this is something that's been floated around from the time of the GATT before it was the World Trade Organization with the then European community before it was the European Union. But sometimes policy that's proposed can take decades before it comes to some sort of fruition. And we're, we're seeing that in this empire age now, it's allowing this to come to fruition of what has been already proposed for different circumstances. And sometimes the offensive points of some countries doesn't meet with the defensive points of the other countries. And the result is that we wanted the market to do the job. We need reciprocity. And I want uh, to insist on the fact that reciprocity will be core, especially for the new generation of trade agreements. Now, this is loaded. And it sounded like he said trade agreement, but what he's actually saying because his English is bad is trade agreements. That now the reciprocity is going to apply in trade agreements. So that basically nations that are trading with the European Union are going to have to adopt certain EU law in order to trade. But we're gonna let him go a little bit further before I go into an explanation. We will have all this debate. We know that on Mercosur and some other trade agreements, this is very well known and it will be everywhere in your press and my press and our parliaments. I'm, I do believe in openness. I think that trade was very beneficial for the Europeans and very beneficial for most of the place of this world. And one of the best way to uh, fight against poverty. But you need a fair trade and reciprocity is part of it. And the free trade agreement must now to obey a, ration, a, a rational which goes beyond the purely economic logic. And I want to insist on at least three points. First, sustainability. Since it's simply impossible to conceive that our EU trade policy might not be fully sustainable. We should stop signing and accepting trade agreements with governments and people which don't respect Paris agreements and our biodiversity commitments. You have to keep in mind that the EU has around 85 trade packs considerable number of trade packs, and some of them are comprehensive in scope, as well as record-breaking in the amount of free trade that's between the continents. And with that many agreements that are around the globe, this is a very serious proposal because the EU is also sometimes considered the first largest world economy, the second. It's about, let's say, roughly a half a billion citizens. And for a nation to miss out on trade is going to greatly hurt a nation because nations can only grow based on the strength of their economies. And economic strength is imperative for a nation today. So we see that the EU with this reciprocity clause is basically punching up to its weight now 
and saying to nations that they now must adopt certain EU law. And he's talking about the laws that will be included now. What gets spooky is the potential for this, which we'll talk about after we completely listen to his speech. Otherwise, we put ourselves to over-constraint markets, constraints our producers following our requirements and our commitments, but we will accept to import products coming from places less demanding and not compliant with Paris Agreement and Biodiversity Agreements. This is a double warming approach because you will help them basically not to respect what you believe in. You will kill your industry and you import on top of that. So let's stop that and uh, at this regard, the EU New Zealand Agreement established a sort of gold standard in this area and should definitely be present in all future trade agreements, which means that you need as an essential clause, not as, I would say, just a confetti or something nice and the, the cake, not a cherry and the cake, an essential clause of your trade agreement should be the respect of climate change and biodiversity commitments. Second, it's fairness. Essential clause. What this opens up to is an essential clause. It, is what the potential is for this in the future. And a balance in concessions to avoid any detrimental effects of the EU, on the EU economy, especially regarding the most sensitive sectors. And third, to clear strategic interests of, of the agreement for the EU. How would we, the agreement provide privileged access to a critical raw material, for example? How would it contribute effectively to diversifying, diversifying EU supplies in key sectors and so on? But besides that, what we need definitely is a mirror mechanism and mirror measures to be sure that when you put constraints on your producers, you ask the same to the producers coming from the country you are signing with. Oh, did you hear that? Mirror, mirror clauses, meaning identical, mirror. This is the only way to make this trade agreement sustainable and acceptable for your people and your industry. Okay, so now my spiel. This gives a potential as Europe grows as an empire and it's already non-democratic, what if, and these are the what ifs, other clauses can be put in this reciprocity or mirror clauses? What if they, okay, some of you are gonna really freak out with this, but this is sounding like Revelation 13, 18, which is the spookiest scariest verse in all of scripture about the mark of the beast. Let he who has wisdom count the number for it is the number of the man and his number is 666 and that no man may buy or sell unless he has the mark or the number or the name that no man may buy or sell. This clause would actually work very well in a police state, which is what that scripture is forecasting essentially through technology. So there's a doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo with this. 
this is really frightening. It's like with sanctions at the rate, at the rate nations are sanctioning. Now you can sanction individuals. You can sanction people as punishment. I mean, there's all different levels. You can go with sanctions with this reciprocity clause. This is frightening, absolutely frightening proposal. And so that's why we're talking about it. And I said in the channel trailer that as decisions are coming out and they're being made, they would be discussed. There's another piece of this. Currently in the global order, we see the world splitting into two. This is because of the conflict in Ukraine. And you're seeing the BRICS nations and many nations lining up and joining the BRICS and Russia proposing a new currency and looking to create a new world order in which the U.S. is not the sole hegemon. But what's happening with a law like this is this gives an empire unprecedented power and especially an empire like the European Union that is built on trade. And trade was always, always the stepping stone to the political. Many people think the EU is just about trade. It never was just about trade. It was always political, but the economic was viewed as the path to the political, and that's actually very smart because economic strength lends to political strength. This proposal by Emmanuel Macron is really frightening, and it's showing us a glimpse of possibly what is to come. And so you ask, well, suppose you say, but the European Union is democratic. I beg to differ based on the institutional structure, which is undemocratic. But some of the proposals that they're feeling are so democratic are really going against what has been. Like he's talking about free expression and he's talking about open trade, but yet this is not open trade. When you have a reciprocity clause and mirror clauses, not just that involve the industry, but for other areas of legislation that need to be followed. I mean, this is frightening stuff because under maybe future leadership, you're going to have other clauses and other rules that will need to be adopted. Let's say, okay, now this is gonna really freak out some of my Mark of the Beast people out there. Uh, let's say you have a technology and you want that technology to prosper in your empire. So now you make a reciprocity clause for those standards that create that particular technology to now be adopted. So that also helps prop up your empire economically because they're adopting those standards and now they are more apt to purchase your standard products, et cetera, et cetera. So there's more involved in this reciprocity and it has to also do with building 
their empire and building the economy because economic might equals military might. It's actually extremely important for an empire and for an empire to take the lead in industries. And right now, the EU takes the lead in the Green Deal and initiating that legislation, and which equals money and economic growth and growth in GDP. But I wanted to highlight, I wanted to highlight this particular policy because this reciprocity and mirror clauses is frightening. And let's just hope that Europe does not fall into the hands of leaders who are going to take it in a direction that we could only imagine. And that's what is beginning to emerge on this world stage with the EU. Is it moving away from previous policy into something that's uncharted as it becomes powerful, it is now beginning to punch up to its weight. Many people are paying attention to this speech by Macron because he pulled away from the US, but this piece here is so beyond frightening. So we're seeing things evolve now on the world stage that are unprecedented. This is unprecedented. And so I wanted to relay this to you. Hope you found this informative. Subscribe to the Twist News for more. Check out our Amazon store and stay tuned for more. Next time for more from Don Provder and Erica Gray for their twist on world news.